Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am, of course, your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and you are joining me for part two of this look at DC Universe Holiday Bash 2. I almost forgot what the name of the book was, and I am still cursing Shag for that because he jinxed me. Hmm. And we're keeping that format, of course, of having a guest for each story. And joining me this time is the Prince of the Palace of Glittering Delights. The Monarch of something that starts with M. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, there we go. And quite possibly Britain's next Prime Minister, if things keep going the way they have been. Please welcome to the show, Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. I am going to declare today a national holiday because I can. I'm prime minister. It's my turn on a Wednesday. Well, aren't you also like 736th in line for the throne or something? Oh, well, I've, once uh, I, it became my turn to be prime minister, as that seems to be what's happening at the minute, I had all them assassinated. Ah. I'm next, baby. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to all of us then. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Andy. How are you? Tickety boo, which is my standard response to these things. Everything's going to hell, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, glad to glad to know. You know, things are the same on one side of the world as they are on the other. Yeah, well, you know that's the shame of living now, isn't it? Do you remember in the '90s when everything seemed like it was going to be great? Oh, the '90s. <laughs> When the worst thing in the world was a sex scandal. Yeah. And uh, everyone was more concerned with, is is this week's X-Files a mythology episode or a normal episode? (laughs) Is the smoking man in this one? Yeah. (laughs) Well, like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. (laughs) Oh, just careful you're not stinging being tantric. That's, (laughs) nobody wants that. But like Snickers, you're guaranteed to satisfy. Uh, totally. Full of nuts. <laughs> I think we're off the charts. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad you're not bothered by that. <laughs> you assume I have a script. I never assume. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Alrighty, folks, so if you have the issue, you know very well we are up to present tense, which is a 
dark side story. And I have normally been asking people where the main characters are at this point in time. But it's the late 90s, so Darkseid is doing his own thing in the fourth world stuff where he is not the freaking center of the DCU. Yeah, he's just chilling out in this story, isn't he? It's Christmas Eve, he's having a good time. By yeah. burning somebody alive, which is how Darkseid <laughs> apparently has a good time. So instead, I'm going to say, Andy, what is the Christmas holiday like over in the UK because most of my guests have been pretty much um, US citizens. It's probably mostly the same. Everyone comes home for Christmas. We eat too much. We drink too much. We have a laugh with each other. We open presents. If we're lucky, it snows. It doesn't always snow, which is a shame. We watch Top of the Pops on TV. Oh, this year's going to be weird, man. This year's going to be the King's Speech. Wow. I, you know, I had not considered that until you just asked that question. It is not going to be Queenie this year. It's going to be Charlie. Wow. That's going to be a break with tradition. Christmas Top of the Pops normally gets the piss taken out of it. That's normally fun. And if we have television on, which we don't normally, we normally just have music on, it's probably going to be a Pixar film or EastEnders Christmas special. You're not going to break the Christmas crackers? We, we normally save those till tea time. See, we only have our Christmas dinner late afternoon by the time we've done everything else, and it takes that long to cook it all. So it's normally late on before we break out the crackers. See, I only know what those are because of old reruns of Are You Being Served? <laughs> uh, I can't believe that's our, one of our biggest cultural exports because it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very humorous to me when i was about 14 yeah that's about the age level that it's aimed at the mm. fact that it ran for like 40 years is constantly <laughs> baffling to me and then i discovered red dwarf and mr bean and you know and black adder it was a lot later before i actually came across black adder so you just you discovered the good stuff a lot later yeah basically you know, I discovered the cheap stuff first. <laughs> the stuff that there was plenty of and they could just put on infinite rerun. Right, because mm -hmm. Lord knows Last of the Summer Wine, I think, still gets shown here occasionally. Is this, are they not still making that? Is, this, is that not still on the air? I wouldn't know. I'm not sure, but I'm thoroughly convinced there are more seasons of that than all of Law & Order put together. Oh yeah, if it isn't running anymore, Last of the Summer Wine ran for at least 30 years. Pretty sure all of the cast are dead, but that didn't stop them. They just carried on. <laughs> and there's something else that kept going. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't man. be surprised if there's a, a carry on, you know, new monarch or something comes out next year. Carry on summer wine. <laughs> I'd watch that. From 1973 to 2010, last of the summer wine ran. Blimey, O'Reilly. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Oh, yes, yes. All right. So, present tense. Writer, Ty Templeton. Penciler, Ty Templeton. Inker, Ty Templeton. There's a trend here. Colors, Ty Templeton. Letters. Guess what, folks? 
Ty freaking Templeton, which means John Costanza got a break on one story here. He probably went straight into just doing the next one, though. That's true. Well, you know, there are a couple of silent issues or issues, silent stories in this book, too. So, you know, I'm sure they were probably just like, Costanza can't do everything here. Yeah. Give him a couple of days off. Yeah. It's only two pages, Ty. Do it yourself, man. <laughs> do I get paid? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do I get paid for every role? Yeah, sure. Why not? Five bucks. It's only is two five pages. Bucks. Yeah. We'll, we'll pay you for everything because it's only two pages. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, so our story opens with Christmas Eve on the planet Apocalypse. And there are some really, really pathetically miserable Apocalyptians that have to report to Lord Darkseid and inform him that they are being invaded. And this invader has made it past pretty much every defense and is on the ground. Not just anywhere. Specifically inside Darkseid's chambers. Which, of course, you know, thrills the Dark Lord. Because he, you know, he's a merciful guy. He doesn't kill the informer. He just burns him alive. (laughs) And nobody wants to be in Darkseid's chambers. (laughs) Nope. But... You know, Darkseid is not one to back down from a challenge. So, of course, he confronts this invader, who just so happens to be a jolly old elf named Saint Nick. Yes, folks, Santa Claus even delivers to Apocalypse. But, of course, (laughs) Santa doesn't just give out presents to anyone. He must consult the list. And once again, Darkseid has made the naughty list. (laughs) So he gets his customary lump of coal and buggers right off before Darkseid can launch Omega Beams after him. And that, folks, is the two-page wonderful story that is present tense. It's very charming, this, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Andy, I, do you love it as much as I do? Yes, I do. It's very charming, as I say. But it's got that nice little undercurrent of black humour. Like, the guy comes in to tell Darkseid at the beginning, he's in here, don't hurt me, guy. And he's on his knees begging. And Darkseid basically sets him on fire but doesn't kill him. So the guy's all, thank you for not killing me, ah, even though I have third-degree burns. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you just rather Darkseid kill you? I would. Because but I probably wouldn't want to be an apocalypse. So. Yeah. But, you know, like, torture seems to be the only other option, and I would much rather Darkseid just obliterate me. Yeah. I think I would as well. So there's that nice little opening that's that's quite dark and darkly comic. And I love the, the way it's laid out is you don't know what this is until you manage to turn the page. Ground forces and Ur missiles are ineffective, and you think it's going to be some major attack. And you turn the page, and there's this the tiniest, cutest little Father Christmas you have ever seen. Yes, and he's, like, literally, he's half the size of Darkseid. It's like Warwick Davis is playing this guy, right? 
Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> because Warwick Davis could do this with the cheeky little grin and the glint in his eye. Oh. I, I adore that Father Christmas has to check the list. <laughs> yes, because you know, there might be one redeeming act of kindness. Oh, oh there's more than one dark side on his list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I've got to make sure I get the right one. <laughs> Don't want to give a lump of coal to Simon Darkside, who's actually a really <laughs> nice guy and looks after puppies. Mm. Or, you know, you, you almost get the idea like he might be just just doing it to further annoy dark side yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh no <laughs> no but it, it's not even like a huge lump of coal not a bag of coal it's just one like charcoal briquette in between yeah. his thumb and forefinger that he just just promptly hands it to him and I love that Darkseid stood there with his hands folded across his chest and his Omega Beam sizzling in his eyes. Like, I could kill you where you stand. As he gives him this lump of coal that he's just fished out from his pocket. But then uh, could he? I don't know. Yeah. He probably could fire his Omega Beams at him, but whether that would affect Father Christmas, I have no idea. Because in the DC universe, he has magical powers, doesn't he? I believe so. Plus, right, so. I mean, you know, are we going with Omega Beams obliterate him, teleport him, have random effects? All of the above. You know, which era of new gods? <laughs> yeah. Which canon are we following? <laughs> oh. I love it. This is just a wonderful, wonderful uh, comic relief in the middle of all the heartfelt stories. Yeah, it's just like a little comedic beat in the middle of everything else. Because I read all of this when you sent it to me. Mm. The last panel with Father Christmas leg in it is hysterical. Oh, yes, because he, it's not like he walks away. He, no. Or, he, he or even scampers. I mean, like I said, he buggers off. <laughs> and the last shot is the sleigh being yeah. pulled away by the reindeer as loads of beams are being fired at him. And you just get Father Christmas going, ho, ho, ho. And you get the feeling like that, you know, his ho ho hoes can be heard all the way to New Genesis. Yeah, then Darkseid stood there like, "I'll get you, gadget." <laughs> Fish shaking in the air and everything. Oh, th- this would make a wonderful, like, you know, five minute animated feature to fill in a gap somewhere. On any of those, or like an extra on the direct DVD stuff. Oh, so what did you think of all the art in this, Andy? Oh, it was great. I liked Ty Templeton stuff when he was doing. He did a lot of Gotham Adventures, didn't he? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I couldn't place him. I'm I'm terrible at that. Yeah, I'm sure he did a lot of issues of that. Or when it was, or it may have been Batman Adventures, or it could have been Batman Robin Adventures. <laughs> One of those animated. Yeah. One of those series. adventures. Yeah, one of those based on whichever version of the animated series they were based on. He did a few of them, I believe. So I quite I liked his shot of Dark Side in panel two. That was very nice. Mm. Because even though this is a comedic story, he never uses Dark Side for the comedy. Dark Side is Dark Side, so you don't play him for laughs. Right. He doesn't have like a squirting flower or chomping a cigar or something. No. He's just Dark Side. 
So that was it was great. And it's a lovely little two issue story. Like you say, all the rest of them are either heartfelt, somewhat saccharine, some would say, Christmas stories. Because Americans do saccharine Christmas stories mm. <laughs> largely more than anyone else does. Um and the occasional just character piece, which is essentially the Batgirl one that I'm sure you'll get to discuss in later down the line. So it's nice to have this little two-page interlude in the middle that's just a comedy beat. Yeah, and they really do need more comedy holiday stories. Not necessarily, you know, slapstick, snowball fights, that kind of thing, but, you know, something that is kind of in line with, like, a Rankin-Bass Christmas special or... Well, I was going to say a Charlie Brown Christmas, but there's not really that many jokes in that. Oh, bugger. Okay, you still there? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you came up with your poke connection again. Okay. What was the last thing you got to hear from me? Uh, I said it should be a Last of the Summer Wine Christmas special. Okay. You can tidy all this up in the edit. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Andy. Yeah, that's always the fun bit, isn't it? Mm. You'll make it sound like everything went perfectly <laughs> and nothing went wrong. I'd love to be able to blame it on you, but this is all on my end. <laughs> Alrighty, so, I mean, have we set our piece on present tense? Yes, because it's it's just a nice little short comedic story in the middle of it all, isn't it? Yeah, and plus, you know, it's a two-page story. We can't really wax yeah. on about it for, for you know, two hours. Well, we could, but we'd get a little ridiculous. Mm. So it's sandwiched in between a Batman story and a black and white black uh, thunder story. <laughs> so, you know, it does its job in the middle of the issue. All right. Well, Andy, since this is your first time on the Coffee and Comics podcast, which, by the way, thank you very much for slumming it up with me here. Oh, it's all right. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> but since it is your first time, you get to take the lovely Coffee and Comics quiz. Wow. You didn't say there'd be maths. No, no, no. Just well, a quiz. well, no, I take it back. There, There is one slight maths-related question. Uh. It's okay. Well, no, it's not okay, but you can fake <laughs> but it. But it will be. It'll yeah. be fine. All right. So here on the Coffee and Comics podcast, we do have a strong preference for a certain brown beverage, but we also support beverages of choice. Andy, what do you consider your own personal beverage of choice? Well, I tweet you every week with what coffee I'm drinking and what comic I'm reading. So I'm going to go with coffee unless there's whiskey available. Preferably a malted one. <laughs> See, folks, Andy is a man of culture. Mm. Well, we'll see if that culture continues with question two. Betty or Veronica? See, I never read Archie. And I don't really watch the TV show. And I'm aware that Betty and Veronica are a thing, but I'm always going to go Gwen. Well... Because let's face it, Gwen and Murray Jane were Betty and Veronica. That, that's very true. That is very true. <laughs> and we're not even going to touch any 
horrible attempts at retconning anything that nope. anybody ever tried to do. Nope. Did not. <laughs> because that's totally worth selling your soul to Mephisto for to get rid of. Yes, absolutely. Well done, Quisada. <laughs> Alrighty, so question three. Wolfman Perez Titans or Claremont Burn X-Men? Wolfman Perez Titans. Not even a contest. Really? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I, my, I don't really love the X-Men at all in any incarnation. Everyone has an X-Men phase. I read the Wolfman, Wolfman, I read the Claremont Burn stuff after the fact. It was Paul, was he Paul Jones or Paul Smith? He was Paul Smith, wasn't he? It was Paul Smith by the time I was picking up the American issues. I followed that through to John Jr. coming on board and then stopped. So as much as I can appreciate the Claremont Burn X-Men and as much as I think Days of Future Past is a masterpiece, Teen Titans by Wolfman and Perez got me into the wider DC universe, largely because it's a Marvel book, but it has great art. And as Michael Bailey has pointed out on more than one occasion, Marvel courted me. Marvel UK had a division over here. They published comics every week for, for the first 15 years of my life. So they were easy to find Marvel and get into the Marvel universe, whereas DC was Superman, Batman, and a little bit of Wonder Woman because, you know, Linda Carter. Uh, um, the new Teen Titans came along and it was really, other than Batman, the first DC book I bought month in, month out. All right. So, which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live-action adaptation? Ooh, I'd see there's a part of me that would say Static needs a good one, but Static Shock is loved by a lot of people. And Invincible just had a comic book based on it, uh, an animated series based on it, and that was okay. So, uh, you know what? I think I'd go for Sergeant Fury. Oh. Let's do a World War II one. We can have Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, and it's just a straight-up war comic animated show. Don't have anyone else from the Marvel Universe in it, unless they're normal. So you could have Ben Grimm as a pilot if you wanted to. That may be cool. But other than that, it's just a straight-up war animation show, because I don't think we've done one of them in ages. Hmm. Alrighty, so villain most in need of decaf. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Particularly the Joker. I think the Joker needs some decaf at this moment in time. He needs to calm down a bit. <laughs> All this murder and murder murder death kill can't be good for him. Did you just demolition man me? Totally. Andy, I, I don't know you. what the shells are for. <laughs> oh, Andy, I love you. <laughs> Alrighty, so who is the best super pet? Uh, I'm always going to go Streaky the Super Cat because my daughter likes Streaky as a kid. Only in the sense of, oh, I recognize that that's Streaky the Super Cat. Uh, and the rest of them are a bit silly, like Beppo the Super Monkey. Okay. <laughs> so, although I always have a soft spot for Ms. Lion. Ms. Lion is definitely top tier. But uh, yeah, but I don't know if she counts because she doesn't really have superpowers. She's a pet of a superhero. Yeah, that's true. Even if Although, it's tangentially. Yeah, and then there's Dynamut. Mm. Who didn't love Dynamut? <laughs> I quite liked him. He was fun. 
the bionic dog in the bionic woman. <laughs> that's it. That's my final answer. I'm going with Maximilian in the bionic woman. Oh, right. Who would not want a bionic dog? That would work. I love mm. it. Okay, so can Mighty Mouse beat up the George Reeves Superman? <laughs> of course he can. Let's be honest, as much as I love the adventures of Superman for its first two black and white seasons, George's costume, the muscles slip a bit, don't they? <laughs> and, he, and he can only really get out of a window because of his bad hips by leaping on a trampoline. So clearly Mighty Mouse is the winner. All righty. And now for your lovely maths-related question here. Yeah, I've got to get my calculator out. Just let me take my socks off. <laughs> Would you prefer a lifetime of cheap comics, but Doctor Doom has a grudge against you? Or comics are highly expensive, but Doctor Doom owes you a favor? Well, Doctor Doom has a grudge against everybody, so the former. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd be, t- be in a, a league of my own if Doctor Doom had a grudge against me. And it would probably be a very, very small grudge. It would probably, like, I used his car parking space once. (laughs) So I'm right down on the list. Let's be honest. I mean, he's got to get rid of Reed Richards before he gets to me. And that ain't ever going to happen. So I think I'm pretty secure in that one. So what you're saying is, in your world, it's the Twisted Toy Fair Theater Doom. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, that's exactly right. I will go with that, yeah. He'll get to me when he's got rid of the other things. <laughs> you made the list. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> it's just like this epically three-mile-long scroll of paper. And in the, in the scheme of things, me using his parking space, you know. <laughs> I mean, that might bump you up to like 50th or something. Yeah, but like I say, he's got plenty of other things to worry about before he gets to that one. I'll be dead before he gets to <laughs> Oh. Well, Andy, I think you seem to have survived the quiz. Yay. And you were a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for doing this. It's all right. It's okay. Do we not win anything for the quiz? Um, <laughs> I- I'm sure you're... Marvel, DC, Coffee Comics, no prize will be in the mail shortly. Excellent. Good. I'm looking forward to not receiving it. (laughs) This baldy is for you. May it give you (laughs) as much hair as it has. (laughs) Bit light, though. (laughs) Oh, well, Andy, I I really do appreciate it. And before we go, or you go, I guess, because I still have another part after this. Do be, do let people know where they can find you. Uh, my vanity project, the Palace of Glittering Delights, gets released whenever I can be bothered and or have time to do a new episode. That's on Two Tree Freaks. It's a pop culture potpourri of stuff that I enjoy following Shag's mantra of finding your joy. It's covered everything from every single issue of Stan Lee's Spider-Man across the variety of artists that he worked with through obscure itc series like the champions to a three-part retrospective on moonlighting and everything in between and it's my favorite thing ever after hey kids comics which i did with my son michael for 10 years and he's still around so you can go back and check the old episodes and every now and again we do a new one normally at christmas time so there should be a new one around as you listen to this 
And Michael Bailey and I do the Overlooked Dark Knight when Michael's not working like a dog and can get some time off. That's always a good laugh. And also over on Two True Freaks, we're currently looking at Patrick McGowan's seminal 60s psychedelic serial, The Prisoner. Ooh, very nice. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. You can find <laughs> me on Instagram and all that stuff. Come and say hello. I promise, folks, he's he's not as intimidating as he sounds. I'm not. No, I'm really a lovely guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and, and he'll also inform you that nuns don't work on Sundays. They do not. This is a fact. <laughs> That's not my favorite magnum ending. My favorite magnum ending is the one with the power up. <laughs> oh. And uh, you'll have to remind me because I am not fully versed in magnum lore. Uh, TC chops it to bits in his helicopter by accident. <laughs> It, that's literally the end of the episode. This this rare power it gets cut to bits in 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 in, Higgins, in uh, TC's chopper rotor blades. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible! But it's I so love weird. that show. It is so much better than it has any right to be. It is so much better written than it has every right to be. But it doesn't forget that every now and again we just want it to be silly, and it is. And I submit to you and your lovely listeners at this time of Christmas that Thomas Magnum is one of the most realised, three-dimensional and best-written characters ever to appear on American television, breathing the same rarefied air as Tony Soprano and Walter White, only Thomas Magnum's not an asshole. That's my Christmas sermon. Plus, he got to share the screen with Jessica Fletcher. Yes, he did. And also Dana Delaney. We'll say that. Okay, and Sharon so, Stone. Sharon Stone's yeah. in an episode of Magnum. Well, you know. So it's Jenny Agatha. <laughs> oh, the luminous Jenny Agatha. And Aaron Gray. You can't go wrong with Aaron Gray. No. And Ian McShane's in a couple of episodes. So if you like your Deadwood. <laughs> See, folks, this is why you need to check out Andy's shows. Yeah, it's full of ridiculously useless information like this. I did do an episode about Magnum PI very recently. <laughs> well, recently as we recalled this, not recently as this will are. Well, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> so if that sounds like your kind of thing, come and say hi. I'll let Clinton get on with the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know I do have to kind of close this out and move on to Black Lightning. So while while Andy goes to feed Apollo and Zeus, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break and play one of Andy's promos and be right back with some more holiday stories. Have fun. See you later. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Where am I? In the Palace of Glittering Delights. Who are you? I am Andrew Leyland, and for over 200 episodes, I have covered everything genre-related, from the obvious things that everyone talks about, Star Trek, to deep dives into the early issues of The Amazing Spider-Man, via the obscure, such as ITC's experimental science fiction dramas The Champions or Department S. It's very cosmopolitan, you never know who you meet next. In the Palace of Glittering Delights... Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Available from Two True Freaks and via your podcatcher of choice. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with me and, uh, you know, listening further in. So, I, I'll level with you folks. 
this uh, this uh, story was a little shocking. This was oh wait, am I getting ahead of myself? Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> so let's rewind that. Let's go back and say, guess what? I've got somebody else with me. It's Tim Price, the Podcrasher. Hello. How we do? Happy Kwanzaa. Tim? You celebrate Kwanzaa, Tim? Uh, well, no. No, but I'm know, getting into the spirit. I, I, I'm getting into the spirit of the story that we are covering. Okay, because I, I was afraid, like the Right on Networks HR people would have to give you a little bit of a call. You know, nowhere in a dashiki. Oh, well, you know, we have, we do have, um, Laurel, and that that and that uh, the. Longbox Crusade claims that they've still that they have her for their HR department, but that's not really that's not really true. That's not really true. So, <laughs> and as long as Laurel's satisfied that I'm that I'm staying above board, we'll be good. <laughs> well, all right, that sounds good to me. So, since I've got you, Tim, what kind of holiday traditions do you have up there in Virginia? Anything uh, spectacular and White like snow. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I really do mean snow. Yeah, Virginia used to have snow once upon a time at this kind of at this time at that at the holiday season, but it's like no, not for several years. It's been much more of a dry kind of Christmas at that time of year. So that's you know just ordinary Christmas time for us around here around these parts. I can't think of anything really noteworthy we're in a small little community um and yep it's just nice traditional christmas things you know the pageant at the church and santa down at the um rescue squad for the for the young kids and everything like that but now i have older kids so we just you know we have a we just have a good time we find ways to have a good time sounds good because, yeah. you know, if you had a bad time, then, uh, yeah, you, know, you, you might be like Black Lightning. Because <laughs> I think Black Lightning kind of has a bad time. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Tim. I think you want, I think you just want to move this along. You just, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I've got, I've got Tim here. Who knows how badly he's going to crash this podcast. So we better move along. And get him out of here before things go completely off the rails. Unless it's already happened. It might have already happened. Well, there's two things about it, Tim. You see, for one, I really like talking about Black Lightning. And for two, I'm really bad at intros. (laughs) And I'll, I'll let you guess which one is the more correct answer here. I don't think there's a wrong answer, honestly. Just, <laughs> no, no, no. Just saying, I don't think there's a wrong answer. No. Ah, so, yeah, Tim is here to talk about some black lightning. Woo. So, you know, the guy that had four seasons of a TV show, one of the best ones out there on the Arrowverse, this Jefferson Pierce guy. Tim, you know a little bit about him? 
was he was he in a, a team? A, you know the 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 insiders, hmm. the roundabouters. Oh, the, you the, yeah, the, you might have heard of it. It was called the Outsiders. Yeah, that was wait. It's like it was, the, and they had a and they that, had a that book that leader set in Tulsa that also had a really good movie with all those eighty stars. He was in that. No, no, no not, I don't re- not I don't remember Black Lightning in that movie. No, I remember the Karate not, Kid not outsiders. and you know the, the dude from Dirty Dancing, but it it that that's that's a different that's a movie. It was it was not in a movie. It, it was just a comic book from DC Comics, you know, the company that does DC Comics and has you know the character named Batman. Maybe you've heard of him. DC Comics, you know, Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah. the guy that was in the Legion of Superheroes. Right. Yes. Yeah. There were exactly. like yeah, there were all kinds of movies that, about him, and he's got his own TV show now. Because that's how that connects, right? No, it was that he was series. In the Outsiders, it started Tim. with the series Batman and the Outsiders. Do you remember? You remember that series? No. Written by I Mike W. Barr, drawn by Jim Apero. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I, I. Well, I did have a. I did recently, for some reason, have just flashes of of scenes from my cousin Vinny running through my head for no reason one day. <laughs> and I, I was actually like, maybe I should rewatch that, sh- that movie. It's been a while since I've rewatched it. So Ralph Macchio was in that. And you know, Ralph Macchio was also, um, one of the editors over at Marvel comics for several years. So wait, uh, Oh, that's a different Ralph Macchio, but you know, that's still, this is about as appropriate as what you're getting into. What the heck, man? Hey, are, are we off the rails already? Apparently we are. Were we ever? It's on already this? happened. Whose no, show I think, is this? I think <laughs> <laughs> it's yours. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> it's definitely yours. Yes. Okay, so Batman and the Outsiders. Batman and the Outsiders. Black Lightning was one of the founding members of that team. So, yeah, I had a great, it's been great covering that series and seeing uh, those early stories with um, Jefferson. I've had a I've I've always loved him as a character. He's just always sparked my imagination. From the first time I saw him, um, I guess I saw him in, um, like the issues of Justice League of America that he guest starred in. I think that might have been the first time I actually ran across him. Um, and of course I was going like, "Wow, who's this guy? He looks a lot like Black Vulcan from Super Friends." It's like, "Oh boy, don't go there, Tim." <laughs> that's that's a whole thing. So be careful of that. I'll give you a dollar um, if but you even go so. up and say that to Tony Isabella. No, be like, hey, he looked no, like Black I've, Vulcan. No, you can't give me enough money to go say that to Tony Isabella because I I love the man and I, I would never do that to him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Black Lightning was just cool from day one, um, and so it's been great seeing him in. Batman the Outsiders, where I got to see more of him and see him become um, really a hero on his own, uh, and, and kind of, kind of um, get away from from his original depiction and and kind of shake the shake the stereotypes that he was bought that that he was um, portrayed with that were just as part of his cover. But it's kind of, it's still kind of like, eh. oh, I know what I really I probably really saw him first in DC Comics Presents number sixteen. That's right. That's probably where I really first saw him. And that was really that was a, that story was just bonkers. This story <laughs> is not quite as bonkers as that. 
<laughs> no. No, this is a, a far cry from many things that were in DC Comics Presents. Mm, right, yes. <laughs> oh. So where was uh, Black Lightning at this time? You know, this is the end of mm-hmm. 1997, so... Right. Well, it's at, it's like a couple of years after his very short-lived series that ran in 1994 to 1995. It went for 13 issues. And it's still, I think, like one last tribute, maybe one last tribute to that version of the character and that storyline because it has mostly the same creative team. Uh, Tony Isabella came back to write the story and he was writing that series um, himself. So that was great. Um, the artist, Eddie Newell, was also the regular artist in that Black Lightning solo series. Um, and this version of his costume was what we had then. Now, it's also kind of interesting in this little story is that it's mostly colored in two-tone black and white, you know, shades of gray within black and white. But they will have, like, color for the word balloons and some of the letterings and sound effects. Um, but mostly it's like a black and white story, um, which is an interesting kind of take. But also it's kind of, I don't, I don't I, it's kind of downplays this version of, his costume, which is kind of funny because I, it's really a distinctive version. It's like, it's the only time he's worn red that I'm aware of. It's like red mm. and dark blue with some gold lightning bolt highlights. But like red is just not a normal color for, uh, for what we typically think of for black lightning. Um, so, so it kind of stands only, out. Yeah. It's also the only one that has that real high neck that looks like a pulled down hoodie. Mm. Yes. Yes, it's got that that. That's I, I don't know if that was the style any how long that was the style, but that's definitely a thing with like a the the hoodie thing going up almost to your mouth. Mhm. Yeah. And he made a point of always having like his eyes being glowing with electricity and there's often an arc going between his two eyes. It's like that took a lot of a lot of juice to keep that going. <laughs> Oh yeah, especially you know, like if you go with the rules that were set on the the TV show. I mean, that he'd have been pretty much out of juice <laughs> very quickly, really. Right. Yeah. That. I, but the TV show, I think, probably um, gave him a bit more of limitations on that. Anyway, I yeah. would be willing to bet. Well, I mean, it's a TV show. You have yeah. you have to give them rules that way. You can stay in the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I will admit I've only watched the first season of the TV show. I just haven't gotten around to having time to watch the other seasons, but I did enjoy the first one. I mean, I I can't really say if it got better, worse, or stayed the same. I enjoyed it all the way through. That first mm-hmm. season, though, I think is some of the most powerful that you'll see on TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. All righty, so this story is called Twas the Night Before Kwanzaa. 
And as we've already said, it was written by Tony Isabella. Pencils, inks, and colors all by Eddie Newell. Letters by John Costanza. And as has been the case throughout the whole book, because, you know, that's how it works, the editor was Darren mm-hmm. Vincenzo. Very nice. <coughs> oh, I see oh. that it was also reprinted in Black Lightning Brick City Blues, oh, which is nice. which is the same trade paperback that holds the regular series from a couple years before this. So yeah, this is I guess we would call this a coda of that series. That's pretty great. Nice. Yeah. Got him out of Gotham City, got him out of Metropolis, had him in the city called Brick City. That's what it, that's that is I remember that being its name. Well, you know, Jack Knight had Opal City. Mm-hmm. Black Lightning has yeah. Brick City. Although until the TV show, what was that? What was the city's name in the TV show? Um, was it, uh, Freeburg? Yeah. That sounds weird. Was that right? Yeah. I kept wanting to say Compton. I can't believe I got that. Wow. Somebody's going to write nasty letters if I say it. People are going to write nasty letters anyway. (laughs) Just not necessarily to me. (laughs) Oh boy. Nasty letters. Someone's listening. (laughs) Exactly. I'm taking this letter and framing it. So you suck. Yay. <laughs> All righty, folks. Jefferson Pierce has had a busy day. He attended Christmas services at Freedom Baptist Church. He tried repeatedly to call his ex-wife Lynn. He served food at a homeless shelter. And he delivered food baskets to the needy. Now he's going to work, but as Black Lightning, getting ready to visit the royal family's quote-unquote party center. And for those who aren't caught up on Black Lightning, the royal family is, of course, a local gang. Black Lightning is helping out Dell, a.k.a. G-Cool, because, you know, 90s who used to be a member of the royal family. Black Lightning helped Dell's family escape Brick City. But when Dell and his family snuck back into town for Kwanzaa, the royal family found out and kidnapped Dell's family as revenge. Naturally, this kind of scenario doesn't sit too well with a guy like Black Lightning. So, and I just lost my place. That's what editing's for. Yes. (laughs) So, Black Lightning, Dell, and police detective Tommy Colavito fight their way up the stairs to the gangster's main location. Once they get to the top, there's a bit of a standoff. But Black Lightning basically puts the fear of God into these thugs. He also makes it clear that anyone who wants to leave the royal family should be allowed to, else the family will get another visit from Black Lightning. A week later, we see Jefferson drop by and visit Dell's family as they celebrate Kwanzaa. Jefferson's monologue reminds the readers that helping a community, a family, 
or even a child, is just as important as saving the world. And that, friends, is the short and sweet version of Twas the Night Before Kwanzaa. So, Tim, what do you think of this story? Well, it's very much in the same tone as the Black Lightning series that Tony Isabella did with um, with Eddie Newell back in the day. So it felt very much like a continuation of that. Um, it doesn't really feel too much like a Kwanzaa story, but that's okay. I mean, as a person who doesn't who doesn't celebrate Kwanzaa and know it very well, what am I kind of expecting? I'm I was like almost half expecting it to be a we're going to tell the story of Kwanzaa within the story or have the situation parallel the seven principles of Kwanzaa in some fashion, but they don't really do that. And why they really don't need, they re- it doesn't necessarily make sense to, I think it's just, it's my own bias from not knowing enough about the holiday myself um, to kind of think that's what, that's what they would be doing. But it's like, no, the Christmas stories don't explain Christmas in every single one of them. <laughs> no, they, the Hanukkah story, they're not going to explain Hanukkah every single time. So it's just kind of weird that my own brain kind of assumed that that's what would happen. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I, I do chastise myself for, for expecting that to be spoon fed what this hot is about. When they do a very nice job of succinctly telling us um, in a couple of pages the real gist of it. And why it's important to Dell and his family, you know, why they want to be home for it. And that's all that we need because it's a very much a urban crime rescue mission kind of story. Um, and it's like, yeah, I, if, if you enjoyed that era of black lightning, you would definitely enjoy this story. Um, because it's, it, 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 it has the familiar cast and familiar setting and everything. Um, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I was thinking about it. How about you? What did you think about this story? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I mean, like you said, it's it's less about you know teaching you the what everybody thinks about Kwanzaa and just basically saying, dude, it's a holiday that a guy wants to spend with his family. Mm-hmm. You know how can you right. how can you not like that? Exactly. And of course, mm-hmm. you know you. You got Tommy that's like, isn't it like Black Christmas? And it's like, <laughs> oh, God, that, that's worse than saying Hanukkah is Jewish Christmas. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> yes. it's like, wow, you just made black people a religion. And you did it in the most racist way possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I can tell why Tommy was not on the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not to dive too much into the TV show, but, you know, that show was based actually so much on Black Lightning's original comic book series from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I read that before starting the Batman the Outcasters podcast just 
to see if there's any tidbits that would be helpful for the show. So that was really fun to see that and then see the TV show borrow from that heavily. Um, but yeah, they didn't really play into the, the TV show didn't borrow much from this particular series. Uh, There's some elements they could have. There's some elements they could have, but yeah, not much. Mostly the, the relationship between him and Lynn. Ah, true. Mm -hmm. And, And then, you know, the, the stuff with the daughters comes from later on and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing they really did. They took his later on stuff with his family life and pulled it back into being part of his original storyline. But yeah, but this still this one. I mean, I like also the moodiness of the fact that they chose to do it in black and white coloring the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, the lightning effects really pop and it really seems like a. A dangerous story like this is serious this yeah. is not you know there's there's a there's a there's a wife and child whose lives are at risk here and it's like this is serious um and in spite of the the tone that tommy and black lightning have themselves that's mostly i feel like their own way of like keeping themselves from getting uh getting up they want to stay on the job they don't want to get upset mm-hmm. um, about it too um, they're trying to keep Delray from losing it. Um, so they're kind of like keeping it, keeping it light in that regard. But, you know, there's some amazing pieces of artwork on here. Like on, when I'm looking at it on the digital DCU infinite app, uh, on page 25 there. And there's a panel of all of the hoods that are just coming down the stairs. And yeah, they look nineties extreme with their teeth hanging up and, and, and gritting and everything. It's like, but still it's scary looking. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, like it it gives you the, the feeling that this is not a well-lit building at all. Mm -hmm. You know, they are definitely going up the stairs in the dark. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. But then they have the fun of, they introduce just briefly the idea about, you know, the, the principles of, of Kwanzaa and that, uh, and then Tommy's the one who says what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is really, really kind of interesting. Yeah. Unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose in life, creativity, and faith. Seven principles, seven days of Kwanzaa. I love that though. When they're just like, how do you know like, that? I read. What? I read a lot. <laughs> <laughs> here he was. Here was like, he, so that, it's like, okay, what, what were you doing a few pages ago when you called it uh, Black Christmas? It's like, he's just being a smart guy. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he actually knows more about it. And um, we see at, how that plays out in the, in the final page too, which is really pretty great. Um, you mean that final page where Tony Isabella and Eddie Newell attend a Kwanzaa party? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty dang cute. It's very cute. But uh, it's, at, it's at Tommy's house. And um, let's see. Um, and he was holding the Kwanzaa party for... Dell and his family since they weren't going to be safe any place else he mm-hmm. he hosted for them which is like wow that's actually a pretty nice message you know i i there's there's a really a 
a theme of the holidays of reaching out and to for others and opening your home for others. So that's a universal holiday message, I, I feel like. Um, but it's great to see the Kwanzaa decorations and the candles out and everything. So, yeah, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, this is a, a really good story. Um, I mean, mm. it, it's it's a great balance between the usual comic book action and the holiday feels. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Isabella obviously has a great grasp on Black Lightning since he co-created the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. And of course, you know, Eddie Newell's art is freaking outstanding in this. Mm-hmm. But hey, no, oh, yeah. yeah. Let, let's not ignore John Costanza. This man was busy lettering this oh, entire yeah. book, I do believe. Oh, yeah. John Costanza is a machine when it comes to lettering, and he just he he always elevates stuff with his work there. I've noticed a lot of times, like when there's an an anthology out there, they end up with John Costanza doing the lettering, and it's <laughs> it's kind of interesting because you you would almost think like each each story department would ship it off to their own letterer, but whoever's right. editing is just like nope. Get Costanza on it. We need it done right. in a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Well, um, like on the third page of the story, uh, which is page 23 on the digital, um, there's, a, there's one panel there, which is a, a flashback panel from the original, uh, from the series itself. Um, oh, yeah, with pain And there's the, yeah, the, the guy, guy paying to kill her. So he looks pretty, uh, he's very re- memorable. Um, and seeing him there, it's like, he's a big hulking guy, um, with his weapons on his arms. And it's like, yeah, he gave, he gave black lightning a real run for his money back in the day. So it's a nice little nod to that as well. I really dig that. Did, so did you read the series back in the mid nineties? I did not. Okay. I mean, it was- I got, it was one of those things like right after Zero Hour, I had to make some choices. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, and Black Lightning wasn't exactly in the running because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was like Black Lightning. Oh, so that's what they're calling Black Vulcan these days. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea there was a Black Lightning character. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, where had he been from like 90 until 94? Nah, he was, he, unfortunately he was stuck in limbo. Yeah. He was just stuck in limbo. I, I bought a few of the issues. I got the first few, um, but it was kind of hit or miss from finding them on the racks. And I just never quite pulled the trigger on adding it to my pull list. So I kind of blame myself for that. Um, if I'd known that it was going to be so short-lived, I definitely would have done it just to have the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of nice that they had the that there's a trade paperback you can get for that nowadays because I might have to look into that. Yeah, be I nice knew, to see the whole thing. Knew there was yeah. a trade. I didn't realize that the series itself only lasted 13 issues, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and this also was going at the same time as the mid-90s Outsiders series that was written by Mike W. Barr. This was the, uh, that overlapped with Zero Hour. So, now these two series came out at the same time. So, in a way, I was kind of getting a little bit of a Batman and the Outsiders renaissance. But, you know, and also, at the same time as all this mid-90s craziness where we have, uh, you know, the death of Superman and night quest nights and you know and all that stuff in the batman books and so like the outsiders met the asbat at one point um so there's a lot of a lot of things being shaken up so it's almost interesting to have a, a throwback to black lightning in here um it felt a little 90s extreme but you know boy the artwork was really great so wow um I feel bad for the Black Lightning series right now. Mm. The, the one there in the 90s, because yeah, counting the Zero issue, it lasted the same amount as that Manhunter series did. <laughs> wow. Yep. Sales just, just a tough there time for you, Black Lightning. I'm sorry. Yeah, sometimes it's just hard to find the right niche for your the right hook for your series just um maybe it maybe would have fared better at a different period but just you know it is what it is probably so but i yeah. you know i mean it, it had to compete with starman and, and mm, true you know kyle rayner green lantern and manhunter mm-hmm. and fate and sovereign seven okay i'm starting to see a pattern here <laughs> Um, if you weren't yeah. the big name that already had been established or going in an incredibly new fan favorite direction, yeah, you were probably doomed <laughs> forever a year. Oh, poor Black Lightning. You hardly yeah. had a chance. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a challenging time, but also it was kind of interesting to just give some credit for, um, DC trying some new things. They're willing to try some different things. Now, granted, they were. Tr- it, t- it depends on your viewpoint. It's like, was it an experimental phase or was it a chasing the '90s fad phase? Hard. It depends on which series you look at. Some of them, some of them, you could definitely feel that they're chasing the '90s fad. But I don't know. From the Black Lightning series, I didn't really feel like that was chasing that. And then you see Starman, which is almost like anti '90s. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow still 90s. Very 90s, it felt, you know? I get the feeling Black Lightning was kind of trying the same thing Marvel did over with Thunderstrike. They were they were trying oh, to, to yes. throw everything in the pot and make a stew. And it, mm-hmm. and it just didn't quite all mesh exactly how they thought it would. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of a balance between the superheroics the real life drama right. mm-hmm. and throw in, well, at least on Thunderstrikes and throw in some slapstick comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays they, I'm sure it would be like a, you know, it would have to get, well, maybe not a gigantic omnibus edition, but it would be more than, you know, more than 13 issues. 
Right. Oh yeah, it probably would have made it to issue twenty five. Yeah. I could see that. You know, that, I mean, good which Lord, is that that's a epic length run at Marvel nowadays. Right. Well, and it's a, it's a nice kind of it's a nice yeah. kind of period to get nowadays. You know, it's, mm. and I I will admit that I do appreciate the storylines and series being able to have a concrete beginning and ending. So I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that yeah. in in principle. Well, so, okay. I mean, I let, let's break it down. Yeah. Well, given how comics are written these days, uh, 25 <laughs> issues would be about four trades, which they could then put in an yeah. omnibus mm-hmm. edition a few years later if they wanted. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, That's and true. like you said, they can, that gives plenty of time for a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. You hear that, DC? Tony Isabella would love to write more Black Lightning. Let the man script a 25-issue series. Tim and I will buy it. I think that's a safe bet, yes. That's very much a safe bet. All righty. Do we have anything else to say about this, this story, Tim? Ooh. Do I have anything to say? I, I, I don't really think so. I think I would just be repeating stuff, but you know, cause you look at every page of the artwork on here and it's just so cool. It well, is just, is, is it gorgeous? Cool? You know, that's, <laughs> I don't think I can, I don't think I can unironically say G cool. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I don't think that can happen. The, that's but, right know, down just, there with, you know, with, with just, Dressing like vanilla ice and saying word to your mother. Yeah, you can't do it unironically. Yeah, exactly. No, I just can't. Or, or it's like it would just sound it would just sound offensive if I, if I did. So it's like no, no, I don't want to be offensive to, <laughs> in that way. In that way. Um, but it's a it's a very nice holiday style story, holiday setting for the story. Um, I like the the feel of family involved. I like it the fact that it also very much feels like a coda to Black Lightning's series from a couple of years before this. Um, and the artwork is just amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I really a lot of love for this particular story. It's short and sweet, too. I'll just say that way. Comes across short and sweet. How about you? What, what final thoughts did you have about this? One? I think that's about it, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful art. It's well-told story. It's... It's short and sweet. Don't let the uh, initial splash page fool you. You know, it, it almost turned me off from it because I was like, what am I getting into? Do I really want to to dive in? And then, mm. like, you know, it's like half a page later. I'm like, never mind. This is one of the coolest things ever. What was so what was turning you off about the first splash page? I think the fact that it is a splash page. It, it's too much uh, to take in all at once from, you know, the whole, mm. you know, it, it's because of, the, you know, the, the black and white. It's especially if you're reading it digital, it's very bright. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is a great effect, especially, you know, for like a supercharged black lightning. But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, it's a it's a sensory overload for there to only be the you know two colors that's saying something 
Right. Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. I also would kind of also when I first read it and seeing the narration captions that are really like Jefferson's thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's like he's talking about how he was trying to reach, you know, Lynn and trying to reach her and trying to reach her and not be able to get through to her. It's like until I thankfully, once I get into the story, it becomes far clearer that this is really just a case of the holidays and you just that person you just need to try to keep reaching and you just keep missing them all the time mm-hmm. and can't get your your acts together is what it comes across as opposed to coming across like is he really is she trying to like distance herself from him and he's not getting the message uh and but i but it became clear that no that's not the case it's like no he's not missing out on anything it's like it's just a that holiday dilemma and wanting to be with each other, but things are just getting in the way. Yeah, I mean, you you could really read it either way. I'm, I think I was more influenced by the TV version of Lynn mm, because okay. you know she definitely would have been the you know make up any excuse. Oh, you just missed her. Oh no, now she's got to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's. But, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can see the other one too. Like, you know, how it's the holidays, you're feeling alone. You know, it would, it would just be mm-hmm. nice to hear a familiar voice. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, you know, can can we just meet up and, you know, get, get a bite to eat, talk for like 20, 30 minutes, all good. Right. Mm hmm. So yeah, good story, good holiday talk. Yeah. All righty, Tim. So that pretty well wraps it up for us, I guess. Uh, Before you go, though, do let everybody know where they can find you out on the interwebs. Oh, yes, please. Um, You can find my own podcast, Outcasters, a Batman the Outsiders podcast on... W-O-N, the Right On Network, with a W, um, where I have that show with A.J. Wright and Sarah Century. Uh, we have The three of us have a great time going through these issues from the 80s. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and also, A.J. and I do the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast, also on the same podcast feed. You can find it at thehuntresspodcast.com, or you can look for it at the Batgirl slash Huntress podcast um, or the Right On Network. They all they all work. You start Googling people. It's out there. Don't worry. You'll find it. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at TimPrice17. And you can find the Outcasters on Twitter at BatOutcasters. All righty. But did you think you were going to sneak off that easily, Tim? Yes, I did. I was all set to go. Well, too bad. I got cause... the, I got the door half open. Got my foot just inching its way. Yeah, yeah, but you see, this is your first time on the Coffee and Comics podcast, so you get to take the lovely quiz before you leave. Oh no, there's a quiz. Oh yes. I I didn't study. Good. I don't I don't feel prepared at Good. all. <laughs> That's exactly the purpose. Wonderful. 
All righty, Tim. I'm so glad I came here. <laughs> uh, you agreed. You said, I want to do this show. I'm sorry. Are you? I'm breaking up. I'm going through tunnel. At- <laughs> uh, too bad. So here on the Coffee and Comics podcast, we support beverage of choice. We're kind of partial to a certain brown magical elixir, but you know, we, mm. we kind of will we'll be supportive of others. So what do you consider your beverage of choice? Oh, well, you know, I like all sorts of brown elixirs. Um, uh, my daily drink is usually a Dr. Pepper. So you see, there's a brown magical elixir. Uh, it's bubbly. That's definitely magic, magical. Um, and you know, I, I'm I'm sorry to say that uh, I am not a coffee drinker. It's never been a thing for me. So I know I'm being. Um, you're you're probably already editing me out of the whole show, but uh, I am very much a hot chocolate fiend during the season. Uh, that is my favorite drink in that front. So. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's like, if you want to think that I didn't grow up, you're not too far off. But I, yes, that's, that's, that's where I lean. Hot chocolate is a bit of a uh, coffee cousin, we'll say. So if, if it make, if, if you appreciate, if that's how you want to take it, I am fine with that. (laughs) I have no objections to you taking it that way. It's not, but I have no objections to it. Shush. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Tim, Betty or Veronica? Oh. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, it's funny because I actually was like looking at Mike's Amazing World about what comics are coming up in we're in this month of uh, Black Lightning. And I like and all of a sudden I'm I'm staring at a cover that has a Veronica number 41 on it. Just just happened to have it up here. It's pretty crazy. I don't think I'm a I don't think Veronica, though, for me, I think it's Betty. Betty has always been my favorite. Okie dokie. So I could probably wager a guess on this one, but we'll go ahead and see what your answer is. Would you prefer Wolfman Perez Titans or Claremont Byrne X-Men? That's an interesting question. Boy, I am torn. See, the thing is that I read more Wolfman Perez Titans fresh off the stands. I'm a huge, uh, back in the day, huge fan of John Byrne. Oh, huge, 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 huge. I just never had, I just wasn't collecting it m- enough at the time. I wasn't collecting enough to see it firsthand. So I've had to, I've read them, you know, after the fact, long since after the fact, but. Um, that's a, that's a, that's an evil choice. That is definitely a Sophie's choice right there, man. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's painful. I am physically in pain for having to make, to choose between those two. Um, but yeah, I just got gouged. I'll, I'll go for Wolfman Perez on Titans. Alrighty. So which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live action adaptation? And the list just keeps growing smaller. Interesting. 
Um, I am going to stand up for my buddies Jeff and Rick on Jeff and Rick Present Unpacking the Power Pack and saying it needs to be Power Pack. They desperately need an animated or live action series because it would be a huge kid friendly series that would also be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's I'm going to go for that answer. Do you owe Rick money or something? I mean, um, you're not wrong. I'm just making sure. <laughs> it, it, I won't. I won't say that that would change my answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, villain most in need of decaf. <laughs> Oh dear, um, I'm a af- uh, I'm afraid the first name that jumped to my mind was Doctor Doom, and Professor Allen would probably have my head for saying that. But have you ever seen him? Have you ever seen him shout to the sky, Richards? That that's a man who needs some decaf. To be fair, if you had to put up with Richards, well, you know, yeah. I, but that's that's why he needs it all the more, though, right? <laughs> That's why he needs it all the more. All righty, Tim. So who is the best super pet? Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I, and I'm afraid to say that I have not seen the movie DC Super Pets yet. Darn it. I really wanted to, but I just have not had an t- opportunity. Um. And that's a good question. But. Hmm. I'm old school. My brain immediately went to Ace the Bat Hound. So I'm going to stick with Ace the Bat Hound. Have you ever seen. Have you ever seen the. um, The DC Super Pets shorts. Yes. On DC Nation. Yes. I. My favorite one of those is when Crypto and Ace are both there and they get meeting up with uh, Badge, the Green Lantern squirrel. Um, and they both like just lose and they both lose it. But Ace is voiced by either Kevin Conroy or someone who's doing a darn good impression of Kevin Conroy's Batman. And it is, I just love that. It is just fantastic. <laughs> Okay, so Tim, can Mighty Mouse beat up the George Reeves Superman? Hmm. I don't I don't think so because Mighty Mouse, I don't remember him going back in time. I I just think that's that's kind of like that would did, tell the tell the tale. Did George I don't Reeves think so. go back in time? Oh, well, Oh, fooey. I apologize. Now you have to take my nerd card away right away. Because I immediately, my brain immediately transplanted Christopher Reeves, Superman. So, uh, you got to take my, my nerd card away. I get a demerit. Ten demerits for me. Um, ooh, George Reeves, Superman, though. Oh, interesting. Oh, no, no. Mighty Mouse would definitely beat George Reeves, Superman. I'm Apologies to George Reeves, Superman fans. But, yes, definitely Mighty Mouse would win. <laughs> All righty. And now, the what some would say the ultimate question is... Would you prefer 
a lifetime of cheap comics, but Doctor Doom has a grudge against you. Or, comics are highly expensive, but Doctor Doom owes you a favor. <laughs> uh, I'm more. I'm a little scared of both options. Um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, aren't comic books kind of expensive now? I mean, aren't we aren't we there already? I don't know. I mean, back when I was back in the you know when I was first starting collecting, and comics were you know fifty sixty cents an issue, then that be changed the formula quite dramatically. But it's like they're pretty expensive now already. Um, hmm. But uh, you know, the idea of 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 uh, I definitely don't want Doctor Doom to have a grudge against me. I don't necessarily want Doctor Doom to owe me a favor, but I'd rather him not have a grudge against me. That's for sure. So I will take the 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 grudgeless option. <laughs> All righty. Well, Tim, I, I guess you kind of survived that. Uh, pe- kind of, sort of. I might still need some help. I might still be uh, needing a little cardiac assistance from that Wolfman Perez, um, <laughs> Claremont Byrne question. That, that was that was painful. You're, you're you're a cruel, cruel man. You're going to lie awake in bed tonight, just staring at the ceiling. Yeah, I'm going to be, exactly. I'll be up all, all night. It's like, oh, I should have said. No, no, no. It was fine because I, oh, but, but what about, uh, yeah. Honey, just dial 9-1 and hold on that third note. All righty. Well, thank you, Tim, for putting up with all these wonderful holiday shenanigans and such. Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. <laughs> even the questions were even the questions were fun. And once again, I highly encourage everybody go check out, you know, the Ride On Network, especially you know Outcasters, but also you know other shows that Tim isn't on, because it's hard to go wrong on that show, or on that network because you know you, it's the Ride yeah, On you, Network. You probably. Exactly. You're probably even safer on the ones that I'm not on. So, yeah. All righty. So, thanks again, Tim. I'm going to play a promo and probably come back with some sort of closeout message. The Justice League wouldn't help them, so Batman formed a new team. They are the Outsiders. We are the Outsiders! Covering Mike W. Barr's series into its third year, where change is in the air. A new member joins, an original member leaves, old and new threats, and the deadliest man alive. Oh, and more puns. The Outcasters is a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us under the Right On Network. That's W-R-I-G-H-T on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehunterspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. Join the Outcasters, because to live outside the law, you must be honest.
Hey, thanks for sticking with me. I just wanted to give another big thanks to both Andy and Tim for joining me on this. Wonderful conversations. And thanks everybody for just listening along. This puts us halfway through the holiday releases. So uh, if you've made it this far, then you're going to enjoy what's coming up next in the other two episodes. So, uh, yeah, this is just me saying thanks for sticking with us. Again, feedback specials will be coming after the first of the year. And, uh, yeah, happy holidays. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.